If you're like the majority of the world, coronavirus has been on your mind. Well, you come to the right place. Stay tuned. Me and my guest, Shamika Brooks, family nurse practitioner, are going to be discussing all things coronavirus. You're listening to The Purple Stethoscope. I am your host, Devin Nixon, family nurse practitioner. None of the information in this podcast is sufficient nor intended to diagnose your personal medical issue, but there's a lot to learn, so let's start the show. The days of putting our heads in the sand and ignoring the outbreak of coronavirus all over the globe are behind us. Here in my state, Washington state, we've had dozens of deaths. We are taking all kinds of precautions, including schools being closed. My church is closed for at least two weeks. My son's state championship for basketball was canceled. We can no longer ignore what is here, a coronavirus called SARS-CoV-2, the virus that causes COVID-19, is what me and my guest, Shamika Brooks, are going to be talking about today. Now, you might remember Shamika from the Be Prepared episode where she and I talked about preventative medication for HIV. If you haven't heard that episode, you should check that out. Shamika is a board-certified family nurse practitioner too, but she specializes in infectious disease. You can find her in the E Streets at Infectious Disease NP on Instagram. Now, that's in the letter in infectious disease NP on Instagram. There will be a link to her clinic in the show notes. Listen in. We're going to talk about what everybody else is talking about and give you all the tips and information that you might not be getting elsewhere. Welcome back, Shamika. It's good to be talking with you again. Yes, it is always a pleasure to talk with you and your listeners. Yeah, I um, I reached out to you because you live in infectious disease world. I live in Washington. <laughs> and so we're <laughs> both um, probably thinking about COVID-19, um, more commonly known as coronavirus. And I wanted to just take some time to really provide some concise, clear information because people are in panic. Yes, it is very understandable. Mm-hmm. Um, if they have been watching the news and the media, you know, very conflicting reports that do come out. Yes. And um, it is very alarming, to say the least, you being there in Washington. Yes. Um, there, there have been cases that have been reported other states, but it seems like you guys are the hardest hit. We are. We're the hardest hit. We had a nursing home um, patient die from coronavirus, which was like the start of it. The first case in Washington that was confirmed and uh, several of the cases have been tied to that nursing home. Um, And that has created, as you can imagine, all kinds of stuff. One of my one of my nurse friends had posted on Facebook an ad recruiting nurses to that facility uh, so maybe think wow. about the downstream effect of people saying, nope, I'm not going in there and, and patients being left behind that need care, um, but not left behind. It sounds like it sounds like they are getting care, but, you know, there's just so many ripple effects to this 
virus. So uh, for the listeners, I just wanted to just kind of hit some bullet points and with your help, ease the minds of the people if that's possible. So um, I guess the first thing that I think about is that this is in fact a virus and there is a, um, a system like, you know, you have to you can explain this better than me, but, you know, you have to catch it. There has yes. to be a portal of entry. Can you talk about um, maybe the prevention aspect and, and how people actually get coronavirus in their system? So um, the issue is right now um, that the medical community, they're not very certain um, how the transmission is happening. But what the belief is is that um, it is droplet meaning if someone coughs or even breathing for that matter, because there was a report that I read about the flu virus, um, which is still a concern for us as well, but people just having moisture in their breath and just breathing were able to pass it on. Mm. So the CDC, from what I've read right now, hasn't confirmed it, but what they were suggesting is that the healthcare workers, when they're dealing with patients that are confirmed positive, they want them to have all the protective um, equipment on. So what I would say for the regular average person that's not working in healthcare is that... um, there was a lot of, um, I guess, controversy and a lot of media coverage around individuals purchasing masks. I would say that that's not necessary unless you are sick. You know, if you are not evil, um, it doesn't help you to wear the mask because basically um, what the infectious disease community is saying is that it gives people a false sense of security, meaning they would forget and they would touch their face. So the droplets, you know, entering your system via inhaling, you know, and breathing the air when someone has coughed, touching your eyes, you know, where the mucous membranes are, um, touching your mouth, your nose, anywhere on your face, that will put you at risk. Mm-hmm. But the thing for them to know is that as long as they are practicing like self-precautions like coughing into their arms, washing their hands um, multiple times a day, wiping down surfaces is really good um, because from what they've known about other viruses is that it can live on the surface. Right. So if you're cleaning your home and just practicing good hygiene, that will reduce your risk. Mm-hmm. The thing with viruses is, like you said, it is not a bacteria, so we don't have antibiotics to treat. Typically with viruses, what happens is once you get infected, the virus acts, it's basically a parasite. It has to live off of your cells. So it hijacks your cells and turns them into virus-making factories. So it just continues to replicate. And um, when that happens, you know, it takes over the body and the immune system. And the people that are suffering the most are those who have a compromised immune system, meaning that they um, may have some other major illness going on. Um, They might have cancer or elderly. You know, those are the ones that we're seeing out in Washington um, that I have uh, reported. Um, So those individuals are the ones that are suffering 
But for all of us in general, we all have to do better with being taking care of ourselves and keeping our immune system well, you know. And that goes into eating right, um, mental clarity, so we don't have stress on the body. And I know in America it's very difficult because our society is such a fast-paced society. Yes, and we have to work, 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 work. And what we are seeing is that a lot of the major companies now are saying, hey, if you're sick, stay home. And that's what I would encourage uh, people to do. Is if they're sick, to stay home. Um, but I would not um, call, sound the alarm, and want people to panic and run out, you know, into the streets and um, just be fearful. I would say just um, practicing good hand hygiene, practicing good cough etiquette, those are things that will reduce your risk. Yeah, and I agree with you 100%, and, and I'm so glad you mentioned the CDC, because uh, I have been following the CDC on social media and as well as their website, and they've really done a fantastic job of updating information, um, their sections, and I'll put a link in the show notes on how you can prevent, um, you know, getting a coronavirus, how you can take care of yourself if you do develop symptoms, um, there's all kinds of information, traveling, um, uh, what the vulnerable populations are, which, like you said, are the elderly and then people with um, heart disease, uh, diabetes or pulmonary disease. Um, yeah. And, and yeah. the prevention and the uh, hand washing and the wiping down of surfaces, that is so important because it's the same idea as herd immunity. You know, if I keep myself healthy, if I'm washing my hands and and I'm wiping down the surfaces and I'm getting enough sleep and eating good, healthy food and trying to keep the stress low, then I am protecting my elderly mother with heart disease who lives with me. Exactly. Um, Exactly. Yeah. So that's, to me, I feel like, you know, 80%, I don't feel like this is statistically um, as up-to-date of information that I've got access to, but 80% of people with COVID-19 are either subclinical or their symptoms are mild enough that they are not going to be, you know, seeking care. Um, You know, they might think that they just have a bad cold or the flu or something like that. And so that, again, you know, really reinforces the importance of, especially if you think you're sick, um, but everyone right now, good hand washing and and good um, household hygiene all together. Um, So, yeah. And the thing is, people may not know already that the coronavirus, the class is not new. There's about seven different um, strains of it, but the code of the SARS CoV 2 is the name of the actual strain, and then COVID 19 is the syndrome that causes it. Um, that happens. So um, basically, these uh, viruses, they get the name from the way they look under the microscope, like mm-hmm. a crown, like little spikes sticking out. And that's where the name comes from. And if people are remember back in like the early 2000s, there was um, the uh, Middle Eastern Respiratory Syndrome, which was a coronavirus, and then SARS, the, um, that one also, I think I want to say that one was in 2003, the SARS one, and then MERS was in 2012. So all of mm-hmm. these were coronaviruses. Mm-hmm. It's just that um, the new one has 
um, is a new strain and there's been some um, transmission from animal to human. And I believe from what I was looking at in your case with the guy that was in Washington um, at the nursing home, they have not identified how he may have come in contact with the virus yet. Right. I don't think he had the traditional risk factors. So what the infectious disease community is telling us is that, you know, we have to change the way that we are, um, you know, thinking about the transmission rates and how people, because they may not have gotten in the traditional way that the initial guidelines were reporting. Right. And so this virus, um, basically what it will do is there is a receptor in the lungs that it has an affinity for so that's why individuals end up, you know, the ones with compromised immunity and the ones that they're seeing that are having complications from it, um, it affects the lungs and it, it, um, it's difficult for them to breathe and a lot of them need um, assistance, you know, with yeah. um, ventilation and things like that. But the onset of that is probably like nine to ten days. But I totally agree with you that um, the hand hygiene, cough etiquette, and that the majority of people have some clinical symptoms. So what they are telling them is just to stay home. And I believe that when the hysteria, you know, was brought on by the media and the panic, people went out to the grocery store and, of course, they bought, you know, supplies that they would need to stay in their home. But the goal of people buying those supplies was that in case you get sick, Mm-hmm. You don't have to go out to the grocery store to get water, to get toilet paper, and things of that nature. Right. So I am in the belief that it's okay to be prepared, but I don't want people to panic um, to the point where they are so fearful and so afraid that they compromise their own immunity from the stress of it all. Exactly. You know? so. <laughs> I'm so glad you said that. That's such a great point because... You know, stress does affect your immune system and in turn makes you more susceptible to getting whatever is going around. So great point, Shamika. Um, the CDC website actually also talks about having household items, your regular household items and groceries in the event that you have to stay home um, and, and having over-the-counter medicines as well as Uh, a longer supply of your prescribed medications. So if you have uh, two weeks left on your mosinopril or metformin or whatever medications that you normally take, it's a good time to request a 90-day refill. Uh, If if you can afford that, there are $4 med lists um, with Walgreens and Walmart and and some other places, you can Google $4 med list and, and get it for a little cheaper. One trick that I tell patients who are strapped for cash and have trouble affording their meds is to get a paper prescription at the at their um, clinician's office and take it to the different pharmacies and, and find out, you know, you know, use it at the one that has it um, for the least expensive. There's goodrx.com. I'll put that in the show notes where you can print coupons for your medicines and maybe save some money there. The over-the-counter medications are important because we're talking about symptom management. So fever and chills and shortness of breath and lower respiratory symptoms that are associated with uh, this virus 
You want to be able to have something at home to help ease the distress should you or your loved one come down with it because you don't want to be going out um, shopping, you, you know, at that point. So getting those right. things in preparation, um, dollar stores are great too for having um, generic medicines and, and things that are more affordable. And then the last thing that I wanted to say on this topic is it's a great time to sign up and familiarize yourself with your patient portal. If you have a clinic that offers telemedicine or a portal where you can log in and send a message to your clinician, letting them know how you feel, what your symptoms are, when they started, and asking to be advised um, remotely, it's a really fantastic tool that I think is highly underutilized, but it's a good time to get familiar with that. If you have an appointment, you know, a regular checkup or something else, you might shoot a message and say, hey, this isn't an urgent appointment. I'm not acutely ill. Do I still need to come in? You know, um, because right. especially... Right, because what they were um, um, advising people is that as long as you're not having shortness of breath or dehydration to the point where it's an emergency, they would almost rather you not go into the emergency room if there is a concern um, for this type of viral infection because um, basically you would affect other people and, um, you know, would cause further, you know, transmission rates. Mm -hmm. So I believe that they were recommending that if you are ill, you can manage it at home, like you're saying, with the anti-inflammatory, like ibuprofen and Tylenol, and you have a lot of fluid um, that you can drink to keep yourself hydrated, then that would be better versus going to the emergency. That's absolutely what's being recommended. And if you don't have a patient portal, if you don't have a way to a system where you can email or send a message electronically to your primary care provider to call. They're saying call them and, and find out, yes. do you need to come in? Um, and, and I, you know, being in Washington State right now, um, we're, we're on pretty high alert. Uh, but, I, but I hear a lot of fearful messages coming from people who, you know, are watching the news. And who's not watching the news right now? We're in election season. The stock market is pretty volatile. There, I don't know that there's a way to avoid <laughs> the constant barrage of, you know, the latest news on this virus. Right. Um, I would watch probably only to just get some type of notification if there's been cases found in my area, that would probably be the only, you know, or family members or things of that nature to find out if there's been new cases. Mm-hmm. Um, but I know that those cycles loop and they tell the same story over and over again. Right. <laughs> and I... I don't know how we can get away from it. You know, that's yeah. why I agree with you. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's hard. I did um, put a little poll on the Instagram and ask people to send their questions if they had them and that you and I would do our best to answer them. Uh, is there anything okay. that you wanted to add before we go into the Q&A about prevention or symptom management or what to do um, when you come down with symptoms? Any, anything more that you can think of? 
Well, um, I want to kind of put it in context because a lot of people are afraid, of course, you know, um, this is a new virus and we're learning new information every day, but they also need to be mindful that flu is still um, a prevalent virus, you know, that, you know, ends up infecting a lot of people. Mm-hmm. And um, all of the all of these measures that we're putting in place will also protect you from that. But I would also consider if you haven't gotten the flu vaccine, yes. I'm a component of it only because um, it does protect you from some of the deadly strains. I know a lot of people yes. are a little alarmed about some of the contaminants that may be in um, or the components of the flu virus. But I would say if you're not allergic to it, I would definitely um, go that route because me as a clinician, the first thing that I'm doing is testing people for flu when they come in. Right. And a lot of people think that the flu goes away um, you know, as, the, as the summer months come on, but basically the, the cases just go down. That's the only thing. Right. And the concern right now is they're not sure how the coronavirus do it performing, you know, in the same fashion or not. So mm. that's what they're looking at. But I would encourage people to also consider getting their food vaccine. Absolutely. Uh, I know that it's a very controversial topic, vaccination, um, and it's also a very researched topic. It's evidence-based practice, and you know, me myself, I've got, I've been in the field for 22 years and have gotten a flu shot every single season. Never had a reaction. Never grew a second finger, or you know, something to that effect. Um, But I I agree. You know, getting sick on top of sick or superimposed kind of infection is not not the business right now. I would definitely protect ourselves in all the ways that we know how moving forward. One of the questions that came up was uh, about China and whether people should be avoiding um, Chinese people. And I know that might seem like a really silly or or far-fetched question, but I've heard it so much and heard some things said that are so blatantly um, hurtful that I really wanted to clear that one up first and foremost. Uh, Chinese food, eating Chinese food, being around um, Chinese people or people of Asian descent is not a um, a, a risk. <laughs> uh, 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 boy, I'm going to have to edit that. It's not um, going to put you at a higher risk of, of contracting the virus. You, you are not going to avoid it by avoiding people of Chinese uh, ethnicity. So... Um, and, and no, you're not. And then the thing about the virus is that we have almost approaching like almost 100,000 cases globally in different countries. So I would tell uh, people that you cannot identify a risk factor based on someone's ethnicity. Mm-hmm. Um, you just basically have to practice your hand hygiene and you know your cost etiquette and do what you can to reduce your risk because there is no set ethnicity at this point, you know, and that you can say or look at and be like, oh, okay, this is a risk factor or that person has coronavirus. Mm-hmm. So no, I totally agree with you that that should not be um, something that people consider um, when it comes to this virus at this point. Yeah. 
Yeah, another question that I got uh, a few times was, what natural remedies can I use to prevent uh, contracting coronavirus? And um, is there evidence backing any natural remedies for this virus? Uh, I, whenever I hear a question like that, uh, the first thing that I think of, and, and I might be off in this, but I think about people who uh, can't afford the medications or people who have um, some, some mistrust with the medical system. Um, and I would, my first response to that would be the preventative measures that we've already talked about. Um, yeah. And, you know, there was one more thing that has come up um, as a natural remedy and I wanted to address, and that's using coconut oil um, as a barrier in the mm -hmm. nose. Coconut oil is a lauric acid. It's actually a high-potent lauric acid, um, it, and it is known to provide some protection against bacteria and viruses and fungi. What I will say is if you have a can of, of coconut oil and you are you, uh, it's a multi-use thing, it's not a use once, toss it out, you really um, have to practice your high-end hygiene again uh, because you want to make sure that you're not contaminating a whole <laughs> a whole can of something that you're going to go and actually put directly in your nose. Um, this is not an evidence-based practice for prevention of, of the virus, um, but when I hear about things like that too, I also weigh the risk versus the benefit. Um, and so is it going to be beneficial? There's no evidence to, to support that. Is it very risky? It's Probably not a harmful thing to do unless you're not practicing um, good hand hygiene. Have you heard any any other natural things that people are, are doing or interested in doing, Shanika? Um, yeah, I've heard um, other people talk about the benefits of elderberry mm -hmm. um, for cough and things like that. I'm perfectly um, okay with people um, using remedies for cough or yes. honey or, you know, warm tea, holistic things like that. Yes. I think that's excellent and that's great because the thing about a virus is it's going to run quick. You know, yes. um, you can do all you can, like you said, the initial prevention, washing your hands, you know, staying away from people that are ill or coughing, trying to avoid um, those types of things. But I definitely agree with you that um, you can use these other methods, but at the same time, you have to weigh the risk and the benefit. So I think symptomatic treatment with like warm tea, um, I think they sell some elderberry yes. uh, cough syrup at mm -hmm. local grocery stores. Um, so I've heard good things about it, but then again, not evidence-based. I haven't read the research or evidence to show that, you know, it's been effective, but some people have reported, you know, subjectively that they've gotten better with yeah. their stuff. Yeah, and I, you know, do believe in placebo effect, and as long as we're not harming ourselves again by contaminating jars and canisters and then putting those things directly against our faces, you know, there, you know, it's it should be a safe thing uh, or at least a, a not harmful thing uh, to do. Um, Shamika, we're getting a little bit close on time here. This 
question was, can I get it from animals? And if so, what animals should I avoid? So um, basically what has been found is that the animals, they isolated from some bats in the region of China that's close to Wuhan. That's the information that um, we were given in the infectious disease community. So I would not say that um, the animals, like your pets, the cats, the dogs, um, I would not um, want someone to be afraid that they would contract the virus from their pets or other animals because as of today, they haven't isolated um, any of this new strain of coronavirus from what I am aware um, from animals domestic to the United States. Me neither. I looked that up and researched it. Did find bats um, in that region, the Wuhan region of China, uh, but not even yeah. bats in other areas that I, did I find right. um, as of yet. I would like to say that things are, um, the news is being updated very rapidly. Whenever something is yeah. novel or new, then, you know, what we only know what we know until we know more. So I wouldn't say that anything is, is going to be a be-all, end-all, I would encourage listeners to, if you're on social media, follow the CDC, you know, follow the World Health Organization, and, you know, don't obsess about it, but check in, and it, most importantly, most importantly, I think we've said this <laughs> quite a few times, in fact, I might have to b- name this episode, Wash Your Hands. <laughs> <laughs> You know, very underestimated, underutilized. We've all seen that person come out of the bathroom and just kind of rinse and then dry off. Now is no time is the time for that, but especially not now. There's a whole. Wash your hands like you have some spikes that you don't want to get in your eyes. I love that. I saw that. Wash your hands like you've been cutting jalapenos. Exactly. You don't want that to get in your eyes. And then I think a lot of people were afraid because I think the hand sanitizers, the many companies were sold out. But I don't want them to get hung up on that. You can wash your hands with regular soap and water. And um, if the users are wanting some type of hand sanitizer, um, there are like... um, instructions online but I don't want to tell anybody anything because I don't I can't vouch if it's going to irritate your skin or not but people will make it their own (laughs) hands I will say that the recommendation is a 60% alcohol base, uh, 60% or better alcohol base for a hand sanitizer Um, but again good old soap and water Good old soap and water uh, is is great for hand washing. Shamika, it's so good to talk with you. I'm so grateful to know you and have you as somebody that I can reach out to for times just like this and, and talk to our community, kind of bring bring things down on that, help people to yeah. pull out a little bit. Um, oh, there is one more question that I definitely wanted to address, and that was, should I keep my kids home from school? And um, the local governments will be deciding that. So if yeah. you um, aren't already familiar with your city's health department, that's someone else you may want to follow. Check out their website and check out your school district website um, because that is going to be a district-by-district district decision-making process. 
Yeah, I totally, I totally agree with you, Devin. I appreciate this platform that you have um, to provide good information to get people who are scared or worried about what's going on. But I will say that, um, you know, them following the CDC and the links that you're going to post down there will help and that um, they just need to be aware. I wouldn't yes. say that they need to panic or, right. you know, um, be fearful. Just be aware and be informed of what's going on in your own community. Absolutely. Absolutely. And uh, there is actually a whole hand-washing website on the CDC. So if you are not a nurse, because Lord knows we had to watch those videos a million times. <laughs> if you I got graded on my hand-washing. I'm telling you, I love it when the instructor would be in the bathroom and you're really just going to town like, oh, no. <laughs> but there are actual hand-washing videos. Have your kids look at them because children... They need to know how to wash their hands as well. Um, next week, I'm very excited to be bringing another returning guest, Munir Simpson, who is a, a finance guy, um, because something else that's been in the news quite a bit is the stock market and the volatility of it right now. Um, what I, I thought about, should I even talk about money on the podcast but if we're doing our jobs well, then our communities will be living longer and we don't want to outlive our money. We don't often have a lot of access to um, the level of knowledge that Munir has and is going to be bringing to us next week. So I invite you guys to tune in back because if you don't know how to invest, if you're scared to invest and you're watching all this and wondering what it means, he's going to explain that really well. Um, because there's no generational wealth without generational health. We're getting our health together, and we're going to have to survive the cost of living. So um, thank you all for listening, and we'll see you back next week. And thank you again, Shamika. Thank you. For listening to the Purple Stethoscope. I'm your host, Devin Nixon, family nurse practitioner. You can find me on social media at D the MP. That's on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and now Patreon. If you like what you heard, go ahead and share this episode and then head over to Patreon to see how you can further support this work. Mm-hmm.